Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Oh my gosh, that reminds me of when I was skydiving. <laughs> I used to I used to take skydiving lessons and um you know it's never very good but on the other hand here I am you don't have to be that good you're no. just falling out of a plane No there's a little bit of skill to it All right all right uh, but uh so all right so I had gone I'd gone a few times and I did the kind of training where you don't have to um I did the kind of training where you pull your own ripcord from the first. Yeah. Right? It's not tandem. You, you, you know, you, you, so you do a little bit of extra training so that your first dive, you pull your own ripcord and you do free fall for a few seconds anyways, um, unattended. Uh, so you jump out of the plane, you have an instructor on both sides of you, and they, and they hold you until you're stabilized, and then you indicate to them basically with a sign that you know what you're doing, and they fall away, and then you free fall for a few seconds on your own, and then you pull the ripcord. And, and uh, so I jump out. Of, so I don't know. We had like a few dives, maybe, and then uh, or jumps or whatever you call. I uh, see. I wasn't at it all that long. I don't even know the language. But um, so we're going up in the airplane one time, and one of the instructors has a new jumpsuit. Usually, you wear a thing that's sort of a big flappy. Like a, it looks like a prison outfit. Yeah, yeah, um, like you, a you know. yeah, jumpsuit. Yeah. Right. But he had one, he had bought one for himself that wasn't provided by the facility. And it had it was tight. It was like spandex. It was tight to his body. And we kind of made some jokes about it on the way up in the plane. And now we jump out of the plane. And maybe it was my first one, actually. It was my first one. So we jump out of the plane. And within, you know, a split second, I am flipping in the air. Just, just uh, sideways, going over sideways. I don't know what that word would be, but uh, over and over and over, just rolling through the air. And I go every time I rolled, an instructor would land on top of me hard, and then I'd flip again, and another guy would land on top of me hard. And it happened for a few seconds, and then what my perception was was that one of the instructors fell off. And then finally, I looked at the other guy and I did my signal saying, yeah, I got this, but I didn't. And he let me go. And now I'm just falling through the air. And I'm like, well, now I've gone and done it. 
I lied. I was. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I told him I did, and now that's that. Here's my punishment. <laughs> yep. I didn't want to be a bother. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. you know I'm selfless. You know me. Right. And so, <laughs> and then in a few, uh, like again, another. This all happened very quickly. In another like microsecond, my parachute comes out. I had not pulled. The, I had not pulled the ripcord. And when when I got to the ground, uh, um, everything that happened was explained to me. And the first thing that was explained to me is, no, I didn't pull the ripcord. The guy said, no, I saw the look on your face. He said, I knew you had no idea what you were doing. (laughs) (laughs) So he pulled it for me before he left. But there was a few seconds of what they call pilot shoot hesitation. And so the shoot didn't come out right away. And uh, that was like when my assistant pushed the recording button before he left the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you see, he knew. Yeah. So you see that the story is germane. (laughs) Yes, you have. Yes, it is. Albeit lengthy, but it was germane. And the reason that we flipped through the air like that was that me and the one instructor who held me longer had the same kind of suits. And the other guy's suit was tighter to his body. So he fell at a faster rate and it caused us to flip. Oh, I see. How about that? Oh, and when wow. the one guy figured it out, because obviously none of us figured it out on the way up in the plane. Um, but when the one guy figured it out, he yelled at the other guy to let go. Let go. And my perception was he yelled at him and the guy fell. <laughs> and he said, fuck you, I'm out of here. Yeah, exactly. He yeah, quit. Yeah. He quit while we were going down. <laughs> in the, that's why the unions for skydiving. That's right. To be so, he hadn't paid his dues. I remember exactly once right. when I... Um, when I first moved out here, I lived in like right around the village of Pacific Palisades, and uh-huh. they had a Fourth of July uh, celebration in which uh, skydivers s- dropped down right onto Sunset Boulevard. Wow! And they were you, they were right above us, and I've never had that. Per- you know, you see people fall out of planes, and it looks like they're floating and flying and everything. You know, the perspective of up there is like. You know, oh, they're they're just floating around there somehow. But yeah. when you're straight underneath them and they jump out of the plane, you see, you just fall like a rock. You come pretty fast. Yeah, it um, was just like the 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 um, the rate at which they grew, sort of in in our vision, was yeah. really like shocking. Like holy shit, you just yeah. drop like a rock. I've never seen someone come down like that. Um, yeah, I, re- I I wish I could remember the rate of fall that we had and the, you know, it, it, it you know, you never see a fat skydiver because yeah, yeah. Um, it's really a, 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 a sport in that while you're falling, although you're supposed to re- be relaxed, but I was not um, uh, ever uh, you're, you're supposed to relax. And so your, your, your pelvis is your center of gravity and that's supposed to, and everything else you're supposed to let, uh, you know, be pushed back by the by the wind you know by the rate of your fall what i the only number i can remember anymore is that i jumped at 12,500 feet yeah um how many times how many times did you do it oh i i did 12 12 dives i learned to do a layout back flip i learned to dock uh i had a great i had a great moment with this with the spandex guy when because after a couple dives i, I then i just i had just one instructor yeah. and he didn't hold me at all we just went out separately um but we were he was teaching me these tricks one time in the in the air you know where we were practicing the tricks in the air and we docked 
f- face forward. Uh, we came to one another and docked, and uh, and he kissed me, and which I guess now would be considered like some sort of me too thing. It, it was. It didn't feel that way to me in any way. Yeah. Uh, it just felt. I, well, honestly, I guess it didn't feel much because here's the thing. So when you get to the ground, your instructor debriefs you. He says, what do you remember? And and you tell him, you know, well, I jumped out of the plane and then I did this trick and I did that trick and I did this, right? You just tell him. Yeah, and that, this way here, they know that your your brain is functioning. You're not right. like spazzing out in the air. So he, so he gets to the ground. He says, what, what, what do you remember? And I tell him all these things. He goes, anything else? No, we docked. And then I did the flip, and then I did this, and then I turned. I did a 360. I did this. And he, anything else? No. And then he, I, I could tell he was after some. And then he looks at me and he goes, well, I kissed you twice. I said, <laughs> I am so sorry. Of course you yes. Oh, right. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was very sweet, uh, but apparently not impactful enough that I could remember it on my <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a lot else. There was a lot of other stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff going on. For one thing, I had taken uh, some of the cookies and snacks from the flight attendant with me on the way down. (laughs) Just in case on the way down you got hungry. I love those biscotti cookies (laughs) from... You know, Delta. Oh, I know. They're fantastic. For me, it's the only reason to go Delta Mm. is just, you know, they'll be like, you know, we're going to circle. We're not going to land. We're going to land in France instead of Indianapolis. And I'm like, do you have more cookies? Yeah, just keep the cookies Doesn't matter. You just got to get those. (laughs) I love those cookies. Well, you know, uh uh, I, people probably figured out that I'm talking to Paula Poundstone. Uh, hey, Andy. Hi. Nice talking to you. Good talking to you. Uh, you're coming from your home in uh, Santa Monica? I'm in Santa Monica, California. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm here yeah. in Burbank through the wonder of technology. Neither one of us had to leave our homes. I'm in no. my bedroom. Yeah. Yeah, I was noticing. I love your Venetian blinds. I oh, love th- there's a there's a word for you. those. The uh, wooden plantation ones. shutters. Is oh, what is that called. what they are? Yeah, oh, yeah. I, this gosh. is a, I, I rent this house. I just moved in here uh, in February, but yeah, they have uh, those shutters all over the place, which is uh, it's it's not something I would have chosen, but I actually ended up liking them a lot. So, oh, but you know, and I'm sure you're discovering this during the stay at home. Uh, which is, you know, you gotta you gotta get in there with a feather duster. Mm. There's there's no they're other a way. Mess. They're a mess. I yeah, know. they are. They they do get dusty, but they're not. I have the metal ones uh, because I rent this house too. I would never put those in anywhere. Yeah. But you know, that's a just, you know, like I made at the beginning of this um, uh, stay at home. I made the commitment to myself that I would wipe those down. Yeah. But, that's like, you know, I'm going to have to have the stay-at-home order extended. Yes, because you haven't done it yet. No, I haven't done it yet. And it takes so long to do it. It's a it's a tremendous amount of work. And you say to yourself, wouldn't it be better just to board up that window? Yeah. No, it's the sort of thing. Yeah, no, it's like it's it, it's worth paying someone to do that kind of thing. Oh, like absolutely. There's some things- but- but yours are at least attractive. I mean, mine Thank are you. mine are just uh, yeah. It's lovely. You have a lovely room. No, what's you. on the what's on the pictures behind you? <clears throat> um, there's a, a picture. Those are uh, Rock'em Sock'em robots. Uh, oh. It's like a 
a, a, a painting really? by a guy named Eric Joyner um, <sighs> of Rock'em Sock'em Robots, but it's like sort of... Um, well, I can't, you know, it's it's a complicated, I'm all I, wired I, in, so I can't, but it's- I um, love Rock'em Sock'em Robots. It's, I it's, love- It's uh, kind it, of in the look in the look of an old, uh, like, prize fight, like, uh, you know- Oh, God, uh, yeah. You know, from the 40s, and in the in the audience, it's all, all toy robots. Oh, um, that's great. And, um, and then what else is over there? Oh, there's a- there's a, a painting of a, or it might be a, I think it's a photo, but a, like a hand painted photo of um, uh, an old, an old topless club in uh, New York that we used to live down the street from called Billy's Topless. Oh, uh, nice. That was sort of like just a neighborhood bar with uh, women in their underwear doing Tai Chi uh, against one wall. It was, but it was uh it was very much, you know, but there are as many people playing uh, pinball as there were watching the watching the dancers. So, you know, that was in the old days when when it was easy to get a job. Yep. I know. You now know? they are, they have <laughs> such high standards. Honestly, now you yeah. have to know how to work a computer in order to <laughs> dance naked. That's right. Exactly. Because otherwise, who's going to see you? <laughs> Now that and that's where a well decorated home uh, or bedroom comes in handy if you're gonna do that from home. I oh you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 no you could you right now Andy could make a lot of money dancing <laughs> naked in that well decorated bedroom. It's oh, really boy. it's yeah, really yeah. lovely. Whereas the, you know whereas the camera I, shake would be a problem. What am I gonna do in front of uh, in in front of a whole collection of Hercule Poirots? <laughs> It's not going to be remotely salacious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in front of Showa, involving your your show yeah. of, your show of VHSs. Yeah, I, I, over here I have a whole collection of the Waltons. You don't see that. Oh I, boy, I, I, Richard, Richard, Richard Thomas doesn't have that. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so how are you? Uh, how are you? Uh, Quarantining? Are you? Are there a number of people in your home with you, or? Uh... Well, of course, I'm not quarantined. I'm under the stay-at-home order. <clears throat> oh, um, okay. Yeah, you know. Whatever. You know what I mean. You uh, know, you people know. panic and they say we're on a lockdown. Like my son lives in Richmond, Virginia, and he. We talked on the phone. Uh, maybe this was maybe two weeks ago. Now I can't, I've lost track of time. Yeah. But, um, the poor guy was. You know, he had. It. It, it was like. It was like he'd gotten some bad drugs, but he, but what he had gotten was uh, he'd gotten some bad social media, uh huh. Which is the same thing as getting some bad drugs. Like he was having a freak out because he said that he saw on social media people that they sent the National Guard into Chicago, which they may or may not have that, but that they were dragging people out of their homes. <laughs> I'm like. No, honey, they're trying to stuff them back into their yeah, homes. Yeah, yeah, why would they you're, be doing that? So you're watching something in reverse, sweetheart. But he, the poor guy was so panicked, and he was like, well, there's a lockdown. So I looked up what the rules were in Virginia, and, of course, it was nothing like that at all. But, yeah, there's no – I don't think anywhere in yeah. this country yet. What we're on is a stay-at-home, and even the word order, I think, is a little bit strong. Yeah. Um, because we're we're hard to order around. Right. Well, and I, yeah, and I, yeah, no, the, uh, this country, no one will be told what to do. Like that's, I can't even imagine like, you know, the notion of 
being at war, like living in a country at war. I don't know how we would do that because yeah, just no, we we wouldn't yeah. be good at it. Which People is, would uh, still be going to the mall and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And other countries know that, which is why they don't ever attack us uh, <laughs> in a traditional military sense. Right, anyway. correct. Anyways, and, and the other thing is you don't have to because we're such lunkheads that all you have to do like is just attack our social media. That's all uh-huh. you got to do. Just screw up, <laughs> screw up our Twitter. We're like, oh, Jesus. Oh, wish. no. <laughs> yeah. I can't, can't get my Amazon deliveries. We can't wait. We can't function. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. So we're on the, uh, so I'm going to stay at home and uh, I go out and I walk my dogs, uh, uh, um, you know, just once a day. They don't, I'm not walking a mother once a day. That's right. It. Right. Come on. Um, but uh, you know, it's funny here in Santa Monica, there, there's a lot of dogs and the good news is a lot of responsible dog owners. And so always, um, you know, I'm, I kind of like watch what time of day I walk because every everybody with a, a dog knows this problem, which is that if we walk, if my dogs see another dog, yeah. they have to do this big stupid thing yeah, of, yeah. of pulling me and jumping on their hind legs like they've never seen it. It's like they're, it's a pain yeah. in the ass. So always, do, you know, other people walking their dogs, we kind of have developed over the years, a kind of a high sign, you know, you sort of point with your finger indicating I'll cross, you know? Right. So right. there's that. So you, there's dog avoidance to begin with. Dog, You're already socially distancing because the dogs are assholes. That's exactly right. Right. And then add to it. Now more people are out walking They're They're walking with their children. Their yeah. kids are on the wheelie thingies and stuff. And so now there's literally, um, Many times a day, there's four lanes of pedestrian traffic. There's one on each sidewalk, a lane, and then people just move into the street. And so there's two lanes on the street of people walking, all trying to, you know, get, it's like some sort, and you have to keep, if you see somebody coming your direction, then you have to move into the other. It's like a giant human dog puzzle. Yeah, yeah. Um, But- there we are, you know. Where are I've your dogs? Go- are your dogs little at least? No, no, they're big oh. dogs. Oh boy! I and like how, a big dog. How many of them? I got two big dogs. Yeah, I got, yeah. I got a, a a German Shepherd mix. Uh, I don't really know what he's mixed with. Maybe Golden Retriever. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and then I have a Golden Retriever that's a mix with uh, Newfoundland. So she's oh, wow. She's big. But you know what? She's the only mean golden retriever in the world. <laughs> I don't know how I managed. <clears throat> wow. I didn't, I didn't do anything. I got her when she was a puppy. She's been treated nothing but lovingly. And yeah. she, uh, boy, if she doesn't like something, she, wow. will, she will let you know. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah I have, I have a, I, uh, Got a dog in August because um, I I got. I thought you were going to say I got a dog in Nam. No, I thought no, you were no. going to tell me like the, the there was a dramatic location where you got the dog. Like I got Fairfax a dog. Avenue. Oh yeah! <laughs> wow, I braved in, Fairfax to in to, August. Yes, yeah. in August. You were, you, you were Cantor's. <laughs> it was actually just down the street from Cantor's, but um, no, I got a dog in August. And she was 54 pounds then, and they told me that she was about a year and a half old. And I said, okay. She's she's sort of, they call her a border collie mix because she's colored like a border collie. But obviously other things in there. 
And uh, and then she just would not stop growing. And wow. I, I got her yesterday. I took her to get groomed at Petco because she, mainly because she needed her nails trimmed and I won't do it. I'm too scared to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took her to get her groomed. And part of the process is they weigh her the first time she's been weighed. And she's 86 pounds now. She put on 32 pounds wow. since August. And she's not, you know, that's just how much she's grown. And so it's like. I have a pony now, you know, I, yeah, I just wanted that's a big dog. I wanted a, just a dog. And now I have this, she's a sweetheart and I love her, but she's also kind of an oaf and knocks things over. And, <laughs> you know, and it's like, and it's her paws, you know, like to, for her to go out in the yard when it's wet, it's just like, there's no point in worrying about like the house being nice or clean oh, or yeah, furniture yeah. or, you know, yeah. like. It put down a, a bath mat and, you know, like, oh, there's going to be muddy dog prints on that in about 30 seconds. And there's, what yeah, are you going to do? Yeah, I don't do? bother yeah, with yeah. that either. Yeah. yeah. I just, you know what? It's part, it's, 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 uh, it's just part of having a, part of having a dog. I want, you know, when you're saying that, I wonder if parents are, are like that, you know, you have a baby and the baby just, you know, I got it. It was, Jesus, it was, it, four pounds yeah, so it, little. Two ounces <laughs> and, and, and just, the thing just kept growing. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Well, you have a handle on that. You at least know, you know, this is a human. This is a human baby, and it was born now, and this should be sort of like, you know, this is sort of the normal pattern. But, like, with her, I don't know. You know, I don't know. She might have been – she might gain another 20 pounds for all I know. You know, she might just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and all the – you know, and I can get a little saddle for her or have her pull carts around the neighborhood. This is like a Marvel movie. You know, this is like when uh, Peter – What's his name in Spider-Man goes to Peter Parker goes to, uh, you know, his chemistry teacher, uh, you know, and it's like, what is this I have here? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. uh, yeah. You've got to take, you got to take that to your chemistry teacher you got (laughs) or your biology teacher, I guess. You got to figure out what the hell that is. Cause you might have, cause this would fit right into the, uh, the world story right now, which is not only is there a pandemic, but Andy Richter is raising a, a part border collie, part Godzilla, <laughs> that one day just comes through the wall, yep. just one day breaks those those uh, plantation shutters, <laughs> tears right through the wall, oh. and, and goes around breaking into people's homes and killing right. them. That's just what's going to happen, Andy. Because they smell good. Yeah, exactly. But I don't think they smell good anymore. Yeah. I know I do I know of some people that aren't bathing during the pandemic. Oh boy, just, tell me about it. Yeah. I just want to say. Yeah, a yeah. Lot of, a lot of people feel they since they're not presenting publicly that they needn't groom. I can tell you I have saved so much uh so much deodorant. Like I just like I just, like why would I put this on? Why Yeah. Why waste it? Yeah. I'm going to exactly. save this for, you know, my salad days when we come out the other end of this thing. And then <laughs> I'm going to be shoving my pits in everyone's faces. <laughs> so, well, this, this uh, podcast you know, it's so, is. It's so important to have something to look forward to. I know, I know. And I think shoving my pits in everyone's faces. That's <laughs> My kids and I were talking, well, they're all young adults now, but uh, nonetheless, we were talking about how we were going to go to Disneyland again you oh, know, yeah. when, it, when it was all over with. But this shoving your pits in people's faces that might trump Disneyland. <laughs> I guess yep. you could do both in small world. And it's just like, you should be thanking me that this were two weeks ago. <laughs> this would be awful. And now it's pleasant. 
<laughs> uh, well, this podcast is meant to be sort of, you know, it, it's autobiographical or biographical, I guess. Um, so, but I, I know uh, you were raised in, in Massachusetts, right? Is that right? I was born in Alabama. I was born in Huntsville, Alabama, and I was raised in Massachusetts because I'm lucky. Yeah. Um, Massachusetts is a great state. It's just yeah, a yeah. beautiful, beautiful place. It is. And yeah, it really is. And so, I, uh, you know, and then. Uh, was somebody in school in Huntsville? Why Huntsville? Um, it's where it's where my family lived. And oh, okay. they And they gave birth to me there. Uh and my father, actually, on the night that I was born, my my parents are Southerners. Well, my mother's a Southerner. My father's from West Virginia. But on the night that I was born, my father was in Massachusetts getting his job. In, oh, in Sudbury, where where I was raised. Oh wow! And what was that? What was that job? Oh, he was an electrical engineer. Oh, okay. I still don't really know what he did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I never really understood the job. It's um, you don't. It, my kids don't well they know i mean mine's a little more simple but they don't give a shit i think that i think to have a healthy disinterest in your parents personal lives is healthy yeah you know yeah yeah and yeah, uh, I, I asked him once when i was at, like i was living in boston at the time and he was i had visited my parents house and he was driving me to the train station to go back into boston and uh, and then I think he was on his way to a meeting of some sort. And it was, I must have been 18, maybe. And I said to him, maybe 19. I said to him, for the first time I ever had, I decided that I would sort of drill down on what his job was. And I said, Dad, so what is it you do exactly? And he said, well, honey, today I'm going to a meeting. And I said, okay, you know, maybe elaborate a little bit. I said, what, you know, what is the, what is the meeting about? And he said, well... It's a meeting to explain to someone at the meeting why they can't go to another meeting. <laughs> and I said, I said, thank you. It's, it was like the moment where, you know, you get glasses for the first time. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, after that, it was clear as a bell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, boy, you, realize, yeah you don't need to ask anything more. That's no, you, yeah. he's a communicator. My father was a communicator. <laughs> he was, you know. Did you get along with your parents pretty well? I mean, what, are they are they are they have they passed away? Oh no, they're they're alive as far as I know. Oh, as far as you know, okay. Yeah, um, yeah. But, as uh, if you haven't checked today. No, I haven't checked today. I'll tell you the thing about my parents, and I I believe this to be true in many many relationships, uh, but I learned it with my family, which is, there. I think they're nice people. And I think that they are very, very well intended. I think what always happened in our relationship was that I was looking for peaches in a hardware store. Ah. So I would go in and I would say, where do you, you know, they'd say, welcome to, you know, Ace Hardware or Abishans is what we had in some, you know, I, and I would say, where do you keep their, your peaches? And they were fantastic hardware store owners. But I would say, where do you keep their, your peaches? And they would just be mystified. And yeah, yeah. We, we don't have peaches. And I would go back over and over again doing the same thing. feeling for, And it took me years to figure out that they weren't keeping the peaches from me. Yeah. They simply didn't have them to offer. Yeah, yeah. And so, and it was not, it wasn't a machination. It wasn't intentional. It was, they were just as innocent as they could be. So, yeah. Yeah, a yeah. lot of relationships are like that. Peaches in a hardware store. And yeah. I think we all assume that it comes from some bad place. 
but it doesn't really. And so when you ask them, you know, this sort of mystified look on their face, even asking my father what he did for a living, he thought that was a very satisfying explanation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he really felt that we had a moment. Yeah, yeah. So there was a, a, a sense of irony. He was, he was uh, free of that. I think if he were to reflect on what he said, he would kind of chuckle and go, well, yeah, that wasn't very... But I think it was a sincere answer on his yeah, part. Yeah, You know, I think. Well, I don't know. Who knows? How many kids were there? There were four. Wow. And what? And where do you where do you fall? Uh, once they had me, they got it right. Uh, I'm the youngest. <laughs> oh, the youngest. Yeah. 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 So I'm I'm the one where they were kind of tired of doing a lot of it. Yeah. You know, by by your teenage years, when you're the youngest, your parents are really just like you know just sort of tired of doing it yeah yeah you know they're like yeah. how many every day my mother's looking at her watch how old are you yeah <laughs> just <laughs> so, jesus this thing must have stopped it's running awfully slow <laughs> shouldn't surely, you be mo moving out yet yeah exactly surely you'll be like you'll be 18 soon won't you honey <laughs> well at least though when they're they have sort of They've gotten the system down, at least. You know, they're not figuring stuff out with you. You know what I mean? I think I always think that that and from being a, a parent myself, like the first kid is the one that you figure everything out with, you know, the, that you like because they're the first one that you do all of the things. They're the yeah. first teenager and the first, yeah. you, you know, kindergartner and the first, you know, they they're like the first well, one when they turn from a baby into being kind of a jerk, you know? Well, maybe it's your third kid then that you realize you didn't figure everything out with your first kid because they're so, you know, they are so different. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I don't know. I, I Lord knows I have no great track record. Uh, but, uh, yeah, just I don't know. Well, I am kind of, you know, the, it just, yeah, the, the, the stuff. I, I could never get over when I was raising my children that there was ever an argument uh, about um, nature versus nurture. Yeah. I'm like, you know, nature kicks nurture's ass so bad. Yeah. Yeah. There is no, it would be like, you know, the Dodgers playing a little league team. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, there is no. There's no comparison yeah. between, you know, my kids were just born into the world who they were. I agree. I agree. And I, you know, and I tried to, uh, with various levels of success to, uh, you know, to, 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 uh, you know, to water the positives and, 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 and prune the negatives. Yeah. Yeah. But, I uh, feel like I feel like yeah they're they are who they are, and I just want to kind of make them polite, you know. Like I just want to I just want to make them you know like presentable to other people, <laughs> and and so that they think about other people, you know. But then but I, I you know as far as like what they want to do with their lives, that's not my business. That's you know it's like you know my ex wife used to get frustrated with me about you know, parent teacher kind of things. Cause I always was kind of like, I, why do I need to know what kind of math they're learning? Isn't that really between <laughs> the teacher and them? Isn't that their business? 
The teacher isn't asking me what I'm doing at work. Why should I be finding out what she's doing at work? It's her I business. Found, you know, I would go into those parent-teacher meetings with such trepidation. Well, I had two problems. One is I talk a lot. Yeah. And I do tend to, and I do tend to talk about myself. And and the and the parent teacher meetings were like twenty minutes, you know, twenty minute parent teacher conference in Santa Monica. And, and uh, you know, Jesus, I wouldn't bring up my daughter till like the last two. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're just getting started. Yeah, exactly. She's yeah, like, yeah. oh well, you know, you know, Pedro's parents are waiting to come in. I'm like, ah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I said, you know what? Pedro's fine. I, I volunteer in the classroom. Pedro's fine. Let's talk some more about my kid. Uh, my, was it a funny household, your household, when you were growing up? I mean, was it, you know, was there a priority put on being funny? I think there was, uh, you know, you know, I think that nature gives us a sense of humor as a, as a survival technique. And yeah. I, yeah, I mean, certainly I always enjoyed the response of laughter. And yeah. so I did, uh, I coveted it. And, you know, given, um, you know, given a choice between success and being funny, I'd go with being funny any, yeah, any, yeah. any day. You know, right. it's much more important to me than yeah. anything else, really. It's going to, yeah, no, it, you, I always, you know, that's <laughs> a very grim way to think but i think like what's going to matter in the nursing home like it like yeah. is 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 uh, you know i had to tell uh, early on in doing the late night show with conan i had to say early on i was like you know meeting david hasselhoff 12 times is not going to keep you warm when you <laughs> when, when you're in that nursing home bed like that's not going to matter there's yeah. there's a, like having kids that that can stand you like that that's probably going to matter more you well, know you know yeah, yeah. i volunteered until the pandemic i've been volunteering in a nursing home for 3 years oh really yeah and i got to say uh part of the joy of it is if i make any i, I work in the worked in the um Activities room. I always say to people, don't let that word activity fool you. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'll tell you something. So it, it's very much like when I first decided to go do this, I I thought, well, I'll be reading aloud. I decided to do it at all because uh, for a totally selfish reason, which is I was writing a book. And uh -huh. my book is a series of experiments doing things that I or other people thought would make me happy. Um, and the book is called The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness. And every chapter is an experiment and written as an experiment with the hypothesis and the conditions and the variables and the field notes, et cetera. And, and it's, um, still, it's, it, it's not out yet. It's, it's still no, being No, it's out. Oh, no, no. Oh, it's it's, been out. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, it's been out for a couple of years. Okay. And um, hence, I've been at the nursing home for three years. Now, most of the experiments, uh, for example, the Get Fit experiment is the first one. And, um, and I found a place to go work out, uh, a trainer guy, he teaches Taekwondo and self-defense. I have no passion whatsoever for Taekwondo or self-defense. Right. It was the closest workout place to my house. I, I wanted to get fit, but I didn't want to have to walk that far to do it. <laughs> uh, so the way I did it was I booked as many, you know, classes with this guy, not more than one a day, but a, as many as my schedule would allow um, there were some weeks where that meant I went, you know, five times. And there were some weeks where that meant I went once. It just depended. Um, 
And, uh, you know, and I, big, and, I, and I began, and they were grueling workouts, just grueling. Um, and I did this, I, I, I would go to a workout and then I would come home, I would take a notebook, I would take notes. Um, the analysis part of each chapter was where I checked in on my regular life because I feel that's how you measure happiness. Right. Um, you're certainly not happy while you're working out, trust me. But um, the, so, so I would come home, I would sit in a chair and take notes both on what my regular life was looking like and on, you know, the, on the workout itself. And after, um, after seven months, I banged that into a chapter. Um, and at the end of seven months, and I, it was, I just waited until I thought I have what I need here. Yeah. At the end of seven months, I stopped working out. And I went on to, I don't even recall what the next one was, but yeah. I went on. There were several. Um, the the v- volunteering at the nursing home was part of a, a chapter called Get Up and Help um, about just, you know, volunteering that I think we all have heard that if we, you know, make ourselves of service in some way, you feel better. Yeah. And so that was, and, and so, but I didn't quit there because um after three months i had absolutely what i needed to write this chapter and i did but i just felt like such an asshole saying got what i need yeah yeah (laughs) see you later thanks oldies bye right exactly yeah hope you make it but when i (laughs) but when i first went there what i thought i would do is read to everybody like i would go in i would choose you know we'd read a few pages i would read to everybody but you get there and you realize okay it's like a one-room schoolhouse. Yeah. Like, cognitively, people are in way different yep. circumstances. There is no one thing yep. that you could do that would, other than music, I, yeah. I would say. Uh, music is amazing. But so, so that's not what I did. But one of the things that I made note of over time was, you know, they had, um, you know, they would have like people from the state come make sure they were doing the right stuff and stuff like that. And there was always sort of little pop inspections and things and as it should be. Um, but my boss used to take this free Santa Monica newspaper and they'd have a stack of them every day. Whereas the LA times, they had like one and it got passed around. But yeah. this Santa Monica newspaper, there was no end of it. You, could, you couldn't get rid of it. it right, they had right. stacks of it. And she would just put it in front of people. And in fairness to her, it was people that you couldn't you couldn't entertain with anything. Yeah, there was yeah. nothing. But she wanted it to look like they were reading the Santa Monica newspaper if somebody from the state came in. And I, I used to say to her, I go, you know what? It, no one cares what happens in Santa Monica. <laughs> there's there's it's just not a it's not a believable uh, a ruse, you, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. just, I mean, you can tell if someone has that paper shoved in front of them, it means that, you know, they're, they're not, they're, they're no longer cognizant that there are other people in the room. Yes. It's not because they want to know who's starring in the high school production of Annie. Yes, yes, yes. And how, how Sam O'Hai's, you know, swim team is doing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's not one old person that wheels themselves in from their bedroom <laughs> with a desperation to know how the how the Sam High cheerleading squad is doing, did that one girl recover? <laughs> the there girl a, who got who took the elbow in the cheek, how is she now? 
I when my uh I used to live in Hancock Park and uh the the Larchmont area, you know, there's a yeah, there's, yeah for it's people, a fancy part, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. It's, it's a it's like a little shopping street, you know, and it has been for many, many years and where it was. Yeah, and now well now now it's kind of become more, you know, it's like boutique and shit like that and mm-hmm. you know, fancy coffee shops. Whereas I mean when I there was still a hardware store and there was still like a mom and pop diner when I when I first moved in the neighborhood. But the na- the paper there is the Larchmont Chronicle, oh, which, boy. which was really the best part about that was that uh, Mr. Blackwell lived in the neighborhood. Oh, and he, he wrote a column specifically for the Larchmont Chronicle just about. You know who he saw that eating at the Greek restaurant, and it was like you would. It would be like, you know, saw Shirley Smith and her husband Bob the other day. They just gotten <laughs> back from St. Martin. You know, it's just like it was just a whole a whole column of what? Who, Mister Blackwell? You yeah. know what? I I've got to get my hands on that paper for the nursing home. Yeah, large my chronicle. I feel so bad that I'm not able to go anymore because obviously they can't have volunteers under the circumstances, but I would love to be able to make that one final donation. <laughs> the, I, a I subscription. A subscription. A, yeah, because a lot of the, you know, a lot of the people, particularly the people um, that are like borderline dementia, I, I just want to know uh, where uh, uh, Bob Smith is vacationing. <laughs> Yeah, I have yeah, I have an aunt and uncle that are in assisted living here locally and my my aunt has dementia. So I I have had uh quite a you know, a fair amount of experience of being in an assisted living home for for a few years now and it is it is you are right that where it's like even within the dementia patients, the range of ability and the range right. of cognition is so great, you know, that you yeah. you go, you know, and somebody's sort of one way one day, and then well, I mean, oh. probably because I I used to go two mornings a week, and uh, I don't know. Everybody has peaks and valleys. I think. Yeah, even yeah. Of, well, of mornings their- are the best bet because of that sundowners, and it is true. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's this thing called sundowners, and when the when uh, the sun starts to go down, they get cranky and scared and weird and anxious. Oh, wow, because I'm a little aggressive. bit like that, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I, it's um, some kind of, I don't know whether it's like some kind of preternatural fear that, you know, now that it's going to be dark, I'm going to get eaten by something or what. But it's, it, you know, it's, it's, this, it's, it, yeah. I certainly see it in my aunt and it made yeah. it, it made it. Because I a couple of times when I went in the evening, I thought, you know, I think I'm going to stick to morning visits because <laughs> this is not she's not at her best. There's a lady. Um, I tell this in my book, uh, which is so there was a woman in there very old. I mean, she was, you know, 100 and fuck, I think. And uh, <laughs> she was uh, she was really beautiful. Um, and, and and sometimes I felt like I had a real connection with her. Uh, once we'd spent a little bit of time together, but I, that may have been my imagination. Um, but anyways, she, um, when I would see her, she would, and I, I had a dog with me. Usually I brought one or one or the other of my dogs and, uh, she would stare at me like just puzzled for a long time. And she would say, are you Dorothy? 
And I would go, no, it's me, Paula. Remember I was here the other day and we did the jigsaw puzzle? It's me, Paula. And she would just stare and stare. And you could tell it was just throwing her. She couldn't figure it out. Right. So one, one day, my boss there says to me, Paula, just tell her you're Dorothy. Just go along with whatever she says. And so again, I go and she stares at me real funny. And she says, are you Dorothy? And I go, yeah, yeah, it's me, Dorothy. She goes, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, cut that fucking dog's tail off. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, apparently she's been looking for Dorothy for years. She's had like a vendetta towards Dorothy. And I I stumbled innocently into just trying to serve. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, and, and she, she, her, she, she has an axe to grind with the dog's tail. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cut that yeah. fucking dog's tail off. And then, uh, so the next time I went back, she's like, are you Dorothy? No, I am no. not. I said, no, no, I no. Saw, I saw Dorothy. She was running out the back door. <laughs> you don't have to worry about Dorothy anymore. Uh, the last time uh, that my, my, for various reasons, my aunt and uncle had to move from one place to the other. And I do all the leg. I did all the legwork of finding them when they moved to the first place. When they, you know, they they stopped living on their own and went to the first place. I looked at all over the place for different places for them. And when they had to make this move, I looked at a few different ones. And I was on a tour of one of them because you go and it's like you know, it's like real estate. It's like there's a yeah. there's a broker that that takes yep. you around. You know, Absolutely. the way they would at at like a timeshare or something. Yeah, and. One of them that they didn't, they did not end up living there. They were, uh, it was kind of up near Sunland, you know, like kind of the over the hills of of the valley into the next valley. And um, we, we, she was walk, we're walking through one of the main lobbies and there are just people sitting and staring. Like that's, there's like a lot of people and that's just what, you know, it's not, there's not, it's not anyone's fault that they're right. sitting and staring because you could, I, you could have activities and they would sit and stare. Right. And exactly. she, she stopped in front of a woman that was sitting and staring and as if, you know, she didn't with no, no concern whether she could really hear us or see us. She just, she just stopped and pointed at her and went three time Emmy winner. Oh my gosh! And then we walked, and it was just, and the woman like could have, she was completely like unaware that we were going by her or anything, but she just had to stop and go. Three time Emmy winner, like wow! It was so strange. It was so L.A. and so strange because I was like, Do you think is that was- supposed to? Is that supposed to make me think? Like, tell my aunt and uncle they have a three time Emmy winner. Was you it know? Julia Louis Dreyfus? <laughs> no, it was not Julia. She's still, I thought she was she's doing still well. pre- She's still pretty sharp. I she's thought she still was pretty doing sharp. well. Oh, yeah, this no. is the kind of stuff they don't tell you. Uh, they sure don't. This is like how they're not telling you about Boris Johnson and shit. <laughs> I, oh, my God. So, wait a minute. So, Andy Richter, you are- It might have are, been Susan Lucci. I you don't are know. telling me, Paula Poundstone- Yes. That- Julia Louis-Dreyfus is in an assistant <laughs> living, and then she just stares. Wow. So I follow her on Twitter. Those aren't her tweets. Is that what you're saying? That's she has someone I'm doing saying. tweets? That's what I'm saying. Look, Dorothy, oh. just cut that fucking dog's tail. My God, this is really, this is, <laughs> you know, 
we all get old and, the, and you don't want this to happen to anybody, but this is a heartbreaker. Yeah. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Julia- Except I think she, she, she's won 15 times or something. I think she had, yeah, but this was only, this was a while ago. No, this was just, this was just a few months ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, Jesus. It, it, well, it might have been so, Alice and Janney. Let's just so, say that, you know. So, it was... <laughs> <laughs> I don't I love, know. I love Allison Jenny. I love Julia Louis Dreyfus, which is why I'm very upset. And what is especially upsetting about this story is that the woman giving you the tour didn't realize how many Emmys that she's won because no, it's much more it's than It's more three. than that. It's more than but that. She did a really funny tweet the other day. Well, her people. Right. Um, her about, team. She said that uh, mousy gray hair is really in now. Yeah. Right? yeah. Isn't it? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was really funny. Yeah. Um, and now that I realized that she it's she, it didn't even come from her. It probably came from that lady who runs that uh bo- that uh, assisted li- oh right. my god. Whoever is neglecting whoever's neglecting coloring her hair yeah. is like trying oh. to yeah. cover yeah. their own ass. Yeah. yeah, exactly by making a funny little tweet out of it and pretending yeah, yeah. it came from Julia Louis Dreyfus. This is just such upsetting news. Yeah. <laughs> Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hi, I'm John Lovett, host of Love It or Leave It. Every week, I'm joined live on stage by incredible guests to break down the biggest and dumbest stories in politics and pop culture. And now, because there's too much news for just one show, join me and my friends, also known as beloved producers who have to be there, every Tuesday for a rundown of the latest headlines to help get you through another flawless week in our perfect society. Listen to episodes of Love It or Leave It wherever you get your podcasts, or catch the funniest moments on the Love It or Leave It YouTube channel. Can't you tell my loves are growing? What, what was your first television appearance? Was it, I, Don't uh, was you that... wish you could get out of this story? Yeah, we are. We're moving <laughs> on. It's gone now. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, was, was it first... SNL? Ah. Or were I you, had know. you been a, You know what? A, I can't yeah. remember anymore. It might have even been Evening at the Improv. Yeah. But it was, I did... That I did stand up on SNL. Robin Williams was the host, and it was the Eddie Murphy cast. And uh, I did, I think I did Letterman the night before, and then oh, I okay. did SNL. It was like my big, like, you know, she's breaking loose in New York City. Yep. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. It was, 
It's funny because at the time, I don't think I even realized how cool it was. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was nervous and all that, which is evident in the work itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I don't think, you know, looking back when I think, oh, I did these really cool things. Um, you know, I, I don't I, I don't think I got how singular that would be. Yeah. In, in the course of, of my work either. I think that's I think that that's common. I think that when cool stuff is happening to you and sort of especially if it is the culmination of aspirations, you know, that that yeah. it's it's kind of too much to really think about it in a way of like, oh, my God, th- my dreams are coming true or what, you know, or this is what I was kind of hoping would happen because your life is always going to be your life. You know, I remember like when when the Tonight Show debacle happened and, you know, there was, you know, we were we were essentially leaving the Tonight Show and, go, you know, and not going to be on the Tonight Show anymore. And I remember just having this feeling of like, oh, this is like, there will be books written about this. Like what, just the shit that's going on around our office today. Like, yeah. and it's just, and it just, to me, was just like, what happened at work today? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Conan wrote a letter to somebody and they read it. And then uh, we got lunch. Uh, I had one of those Chinese chicken salads. And uh, <laughs> and we tried to write some bits, but, you know, it's, we were very distracted. You know, I did, and it was just, it didn't feel, I was aware of it kind of, but it still just felt like Chinese chicken salad, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they don't serve that in China, do they? No, no, they don't. They yeah. they probably call it like you know L.A. chicken salad. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. So they're always uh, trying to shove the blame onto us for stuff <laughs> like the chicken salad. Did you ever have any kind of like the sitcom deals? Did any of those ever happen for you? Yeah, yeah. I had a um, yeah. I had a um. I okay. So years, years, and years and years ago, I had a deal with some showrunners at, um, you know, some people who are going to be in charge of the show. They, right. they, they had a deal at, at, uh, 20th century Fox uh, and they were gonna, they were, they were going to write this show for me. And, um, you know, I, I can't remember how many they had or whatever. So, uh, and it was a little bit, uh, it, it was a little bit biographical of, uh, you know, autobiographical of me, um, but since they were writing it, then it would be biographical of me, uh, but not a lot of it. So, but th- this was the premise was, but what's funny is when I think I originally talked to them, the, the one thing I said was, look, I, I, ca- I don't, I, I cannot countenance child actors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's just, a, it's just, I always feel like it's a lot. Yes. Uh, and so I really don't like child actors and, um, you know, I think I told them some about my life, which is that I really haven't had a relationship with my parents in forever. And uh, so they write this script that is me and I'm fostering a couple of kids. <laughs> and my, you know, were you my, fostering my, kids in your, or were you fostering kids at that point in your life already? Yes, yes, okay. I was. Yeah. yeah, but I'm, fo- but 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 I'm fostering a couple of kids, and I, my 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 like other adult, you know, confidant, whatever on the show is my mother. Uh-huh. 
So it was like the two things I told them, like, okay, let's not do this and let's not do this. They, they apparently something got lost in the translation. Yes, so, yes. But whatever, it's a show. It's not my life. It's just a show. So we begin yeah. to work. And by the way, the person who was cast as my mother was Debbie Reynolds. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, well, that's um, fun at least, you know. Yeah, it kind of was. It was weird. And, you know, it's funny. Looking back, I'm like, oh, my God, I worked with Debbie Reynolds. But at the time, it was it was a day in the life of my – it was the same thing. It was, yeah, yeah. You know, it was just – I'm at work. And uh, – but whatever, you know, we worked – and um, I forget if they had made, like, an order for a certain amount. I can't even remember anymore. But so we – oh, I know one of the things was we go to this table read – and Debbie Reynolds is at the table and I'm at the table. And the people that were in charge of the show, not the showrunners, but the people above them at, at Fox were like, we love, it's comedy gold, Paula Poundstone and Debbie, Debbie Reynolds, comedy gold. So what? this is how the, the, the mother character got grown was that they just loved the interaction between Debbie Reynolds and I. And so the next thing I know, once again, my character, I just found like, wait a minute. I just think it's weird to, you know, to have, to give a shit what your mother thinks. I just <laughs> think that's weird. And that would be difficult. I, re I realized that my job was supposed to be acting and that I should have been able to pull that off. But anyway, so as time goes by, the, the, the people that are in charge just, they just, they hammer these poor people that are writing the script. They want it changed this way. They want it changed that way. Every day they give these people different instructions. And every day we're waiting for the new script to begin, you know, working again on this thing that keeps getting changed and keeps getting changed and keeps getting changed. And finally, they, um, you know, they take a look at what's going on, the powers that be, and they say, okay, you know, we're not going to do a pilot. We're going to do... Like, I forget, they had a word for it. It was like a tape. A pilot presentation? Yes, that's what yeah. it was. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. And, and so eventually this thing that started out, and Carol Kane was also in the cast. And and, and I, I feel terrible that I can't remember the name of uh, of the other guy because he was great. I really enjoyed working with him. But like, slowly but surely, the thing, you know, at first it's like, Paula Poundstone, Debbie Reynolds. Carol Kane, and then slowly but surely, sort of goes to like a smaller and smaller, and finally it's just this. Yeah, we'll make a video tape. You, you got a camera? Do you have a camera? Well, you bring your own camera. Yeah, just you know what? Don't even come to the studio. Just is there anything you can film at your house? That'll be fine. And the guy that was the head, he's probably still a big mucky muck somewhere. I think his name was Peter Roth. Am I yeah, right? Yeah, he that? is. Okay, he's a, he uh, he's in charge of Warner Brothers. Oh, is he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know the meetings that you would have with the bigwigs. Yeah. Where okay, I, I I'm sure it's like this in lots of corporations, but my guess is LA is a little worse. Yeah. Which is it matters where you sit in the room. Uh huh. Right. Like I, I mean, I I'm I I'm not doubting it, but I'm I'm sort of blissfully unaware of all of those kind well, of see, things. So was I, mean? I. Yeah. So was I. But I think, you know, I think there was a meeting where somebody sat in the wrong chair or something. I, I was such, just such, oh, Lordy. So the answer is yes, I did have that experience. Um, I'm trying to think if I had, uh, I've had so many 
failed liftoffs. Yeah. You know, I can't, you know, I can't. And the thing is, when I was young, I really thought, I thought I was goddamn Judy Garland. <laughs> I, you know, the fact that I can't sing or dance never really right, occurred to right, me. Right, right, But uh, I thought, we'll deal with that. We'll deal with that. Don't yeah. worry about that. I'm Judy. Where's my light? <laughs> I'm five foot four. Yeah. I'm, you know what? I'm in my trailer and I'm too high to come out. <laughs> <laughs> So I really did. I kept, you know, I kept the, and and now it was like, it was like when, you know, I just kept thinking that there was going to be a big, like, and now Paula Poundstone. And then it, just like that one pilot, it just kept getting smaller and smaller. Paula Poundstone. Pound, Pound well, it's Paula. Well, you might enjoy her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was... <laughs> the one, but... the, thing, the thing I always loved about that process is when they, you know, I would go into those process, those development processes and say, you know, well, I, you know, I'm not, I don't want to do dumb horse shit, you know, like I want to, I want to have, you know, I, I'm not, I, I, I'm not, you know, Leonard Cohen, but I do want to maintain some artistic integrity. I don't want to do something want that. stupid. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I mean, not like, and not even, I'm not talking about like some big alienating weird standard i just mean i don't want to be on something that's not funny basically right yeah and and they would say at the beginning of this pro of those processes we want you do you un uncut we oh, want yeah. you we love yeah. you you oh you, and it's you. always love and then as you go as you go through the process it's like you know could you maybe be a little bit more like other stuff you know like yeah this whole like you we changed our mind about you you're a little bit too much you. I've always told people, uh, you know, particularly people that have never been through the, you know, the L.A. meat grinder, uh, which is that I could audition for the Paula Poundstone story. Yeah. And they would say, you know, we're going in a different direction. Yeah, yeah. You know, which, you know, we like. Um, but, but when I first came here to L.A. from I had been in San Francisco uh, and then I started coming down here um, and. And I, you know, listen, I had some wonderful opportunities and some stuff that I just plain blew that I can't even blame anybody else. Yeah. But um, damn it, because I feel if you can't blame someone else, it takes the joy right out of blaming. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I did come down. I think I was 23 when I actually moved here. Wow. And um, and it took me a while. Like, yes, there's the ego thing. And absolutely, I have that. And and uh you know, but what happens is it's a perfect storm because, yes, I have an ego. Um, and then there were people that would say, so we love we love you. We love it. We love it. And see, I understood that to mean the same kind of I love it that is in every other part of the country and perhaps the world. Yes. Yes. Um, but it turns out there's L.A. love. Yeah. And it's very different. It's it's a it's a scaled down model of love from anywhere else yes. in the country. But because I was young and I was, you know, as egocentric as one must be to be a performer. Sure. Um, I was vulnerable to the curse of L.A. love yeah. and not realizing how quickly it, w it went the other direction. But there wait, there was something. Damn it. There was something I was going to tell you. Oh, it was a really good story too. It fell out of my head. Well, uh, uh, yeah, 
It's it a was, funny. It's a funny place. Oh, I was Los just. Yeah, I was. Saying, yeah, what did you just tell me? Yeah, what did you tell uh, I was, me? I was telling you that uh, how they wanted you. They love. They they they. We oh, love I know what you. It was. Yeah. All right. So no, you were saying about not want you know wanting to have some. Hi, one of my dogs just came in about wanting to have some um, integrity. Integrity, exactly. So years ago. I get an audition for the movie Casual Sex. And they sent me the script and I read the script. And I thought it was awful. I thought I, did, I just thought it was awful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not funny, somewhat gratuitous. And uh, I just, I thought it was awful. But, you know, my managers at the time were, oh, it's good experience. You know, they'll, they'll know who you are. It's good for them to know who you are. You go in and audition. So I go in and I audition. And um, the person who was making it liked me. Mm -hmm. And so I say to myself, I'm going to take another look at that script. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Maybe I just didn't get it. Maybe I just didn't really understand the script. (laughs) And so they asked me to come read again. By this time, I've read the script a couple times. It's pretty good. (laughs) <laughs> keeps getting better it's a, it's a pretty good script really you know you gotta read you gotta read between the lines and maybe some of it's a jumping off place right. you know for me to do what I do you know to, for me to bring to it you know you don't yeah. just take what's on the page for Christ's right, right. sake you it's bring something li- to a it a liberal sprinkling of poundstone well honestly you know Arthur on the page Probably wasn't all that good. Well, you know, you bring in Dudley Moore. Right. And, you know, probably before that, it was just a sad story of a drunk guy. Well, you bring in Dudley Moore and it's funny. It's it, magical. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, so, you know, they now it's down to between me and the actress who ended up playing the role. This is a really fucking funny movie. Uh, the script <laughs> is really good. And I can see all sorts of stuff you could do with it. And uh, I'm very excited to play the role. And I, I'm so glad that they've discovered me uh, in a way that other people just hadn't. Uh, and I really am, I'm working on my acceptance speech. Uh, you know, why aren't there more comedy uh, uh, spaces in the Academy Awards? And uh, I go to get out of the car at the improv one night. I pull up and my manager happens to be standing right there. And he goes, oh boy, I bet you had a shitty day. And I said, I'm sorry, why would that be? And he goes, oh, you didn't hear? <laughs> oh, I, said, I love that one. Yeah. I said, no, I, I, I hear what? He says, oh, yeah, they went with so-and-so. That piece of shit movie. You know what? <laughs> you know what? That's one of the worst scripts I ever read. I can't believe they're even, you know what? It's not worth the paper it's printed on. I feel sorry. <clears throat> That a goddamn tree got chopped down so they could make that piece of shit film. Worse, you know what? I boy did I dodge a bullet. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The the the, the life cycle of a of a screenplay. Yes. Yes. And your relationship to it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, it was it was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I could have done something with it though. I really could have. <laughs> Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. 
Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Well, uh, these days, uh, are you, well, I mean, not these days with our these current situation. Days. But yeah, um, we're in a sitch. Yeah, you're still, but you're still out touring, right? You're still doing. Yes, yeah. well, I don't know what's going to happen. Right, with the world, exactly. But yeah. I have for many, many years been working theaters all around the country and yeah. uh, enjoying the heck out of it. It's yeah. the, the greatest job in the entire world. Um, and now, uh, one of the things I love about it is, you know, I don't have, uh, there's nobody else on the bill. It's just me. It's an evening with Paula Poundstone. And every now and then a comic will seek me out and say, hey, you know, hey, I was wondering if I could open for you, uh, you know, because I live at, blub, you know, in Indianapolis and you're going to work at the Indianapolis Theater, whatever it is. And I, uh, you know, I, I just have to show my true colors. I say, you know what? I am unwilling to share my audience. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I don't want to cut short what I'm doing because I love my biggest problem is stopping. <laughs> I, you know, and I don't want to make stopping harder because I have someone else on, on the bill. So I yeah. just I have the greatest audience in the world. Back when I worked in clubs and there was like an MC and a middle act and a headliner. Guys would beg to work with me, not because I'm such a stroll in the park to be around, but because they wanted to talk to my audience because I have just just this great audience. And, and you know what? I miss them. Yeah. 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 I really do. I mean, I, I, I do. Now I fool around making comedy videos uh, and posting them on my website and, and, and I'm enjoying and Facebook or whatever. I'm enjoying doing that. And I have a lot of interaction with the audience that, uh, uh, that is viewing these things, but I, I certainly miss not just the fact that it's a crowd that I'm in front of, but I miss my crowd. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want your crowd. I don't want anybody else's crowd. I want my crowd. I want the back sitting beside each other. Uh, 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 um, able to process the slings and arrows of life um, through laughter. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, because my crowd is trash. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I heard about just, your crowd. Yeah. They are trash. Yeah, they there's are, been and, a lot of trouble with your crowd, yeah. is my understanding. Well, they And they um, will hoard right there at the theater. They will bring in a pile of trash to surround themselves with in the theater. Yeah. They're yeah. hoarders. No, you're, you know, you're, <clears throat> you're, you're, your crowd... The opioid epidemic did not exist until your crowd <laughs> gathered. And they found out they were into the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that's, yeah. A lot of times, um, I know that um, there's like a needle exchange place where you put your posters up. 
And uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure that's the wisest marketing strategy, Andy. But well, you know what? It works. You know, everybody oh, yeah. everybody deserves to, you know to laugh, and I think it's great that you that you entertain those people. <laughs> those people. Those people. Uh, well. Um... You know, the uh, part of this, the, these three questions, the gimmick of this thing is that uh, where are you going? And uh, I'm wondering if there's anything, you know, you're sort of, you feel like you left on the playing field that you still want to, you know, you still want to do or that you're still. You mean in my life? Yeah, in your life or, oh, you I know. Oh, I thought you meant in this, in this chat. No, uh, no, the, in this and- chat, this is, we pretty much have plumbed the depths already. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. What more could there be? Well. Oh. I've already accused your audience of being opioid addicts. I think <laughs> I'm not not just opioid addicts, being responsible. Yeah, being for the, the source opioid of the opioid. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, there are some would call that harsh. <laughs> I say I I call them as I see them. By God, um, do, in my life, well, you know, I have more than one philosophy, and maybe it depends what time of day. Maybe I have the sundowner thing myself. Yeah. Um, you know. I have a little titch of asthma, not a lot, a little titch of asthma. And so I thought to myself, gee, if I got the virus, you know, would I be a person who, you know, would I be Tom Hanks, take a couple weeks with my lovely wife, write some nice notes to the public and, you know, come out of it being Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah. Being the wonderful national treasure that is Tom Hanks. Would, would I do that? Or would I be like, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I tell myself that I would wave off the ventilator uh, because there's going to be a shortage and all that. Because, And the reason I say this is because, you know what? Um, I've had some nice things, some really nice things. I've raised, I've raised three kids who I love like raisin toast and, uh, and I, I, I've had ping pong parties in my backyard for thirty some years, uh, at least at least two or three parties a year. Sometimes at our peak, I think we were doing five and six. Um, we we have um, uh, uh, we pull names out of a hat for doubles partners, and we have a electronic antique electronic scoreboard. Wow! Uh, oh, it's it, it is so goddamn much fun yeah and you know pee your pants laughter and and i've climbed trees which i cannot stress enough to america's children how important that is and we used to climb trees and read when i was a kid you ask a kid now you ever climb a tree and read they look at you like you have two heads that was a thing you did that and and i've had so many cats uh you know have come and you know, that's my point is just I've had a real and I've met Dick Van Dyke. You know what? Yeah, I'm I'm good. Yeah, I'm I'm good. So if I never did anything else, if I never did anything else, I I, I am the luckiest person in the world. And I know that. And having said that. I'd love to do an ensemble kind of comedy movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, right. I, you know, I am so jealous when I watch Bridesmaids, which is hands down the funniest film ever made. And yeah. I'm, I'm a March Brothers fan and I'm a, 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 you know, I'm a, I'm a comedy movie fan, but there's like, there's 
Bridesmaids up here, and then there's a long space, and then the other funny movies, uh, you know, begin. Uh, and so I would love to do some sort of ensemble comedy movie like that, that perhaps I might even write if I were to have the, you know, the privilege of continuing. But yeah. beyond that, um, I love my audience, and uh, yeah. and I have and I have a podcast which makes me human. Uh, yeah, because right? yeah, because the thing about a podcast is it's they used to say humans were defined because we you know we breathe oxygen and we don't eat our young, but right. now it's we breathe oxygen, we don't eat our young, and we have a podcast. Yeah. So I have a podcast <laughs> called Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. It's an absolute joy to do. It's um, like a it's a, it's a, like a factual based kind of isn't it? Uh, you you take on we, different topics, yeah. Do we have? Um, there's a lot of just sort of silliness that goes on, and then the the, the sort of middle of the show is we interview uh, an expert on a on a topic, a topic either that I've always wondered about or find helpful in my own life. Uh, we just did a guy who uh, excuse me a woman who talked about uh, she's a bankruptcy lawyer. And um, I, we, had, we had made plans with that woman to be on this show. I, forgive me, I can't remember her name. Uh, like a long time ago. And then just the way the timing worked out, it was like right in the middle of, you know, when a lot of people are going to go bankrupt. And I felt bad because I was like, well, I don't want to rub it in. But by the way, <laughs> you know, you want to you want to have the bankruptcy lawyer on when, you know, when the sky is blue and and and, you know, everybody's doing well and they can just have that little safety <laughs> right, right, valve in the right. back of their head. Yeah. You don't want it when there's a mad rush yeah. for a bankruptcy court. Well, Paula, thank you so much. And thank uh, you, everybody, Andy. everybody is is your website is paulapoundstone.com. It is. It is. Yeah. Everybody go over there now. Check it out. And uh, thank you for listening uh, to the three questions, and we will get that to you next time. Got a big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It's produced by me, Kevin Bartelt, executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, associate produced by Jen Samples and Golit Sahayek, and engineered by Will Becton. And if you haven't already, make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.